Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Amen. We were introduced to Jack Keane in about 10 years ago in Ecuador. We were doing a men's conference up in the mountains, and when I looked into his eyes, um, I could see a man who was transparent, a man who was a blessing, and a man who I wanted to be close to. Um, and we just started getting to know each other and traveling the world and doing men's conference all over the place. And uh, I can really tell you that, that I've seen not only his pulpit messages and sermons, which are powerful, but his private life is more powerful. And his family life is amazing. And so, Jack, without further ado, because I don't want to take all the time, a World Changer Award presented annually to faithful servants who inspire leadership and results in faithful obedience and Christ-likeness to the body of Christ. Spring of Life Fellowship awards you the 2015 wow. World Changer Award. That plaque will stay on the walls of Spring of Life. You can't take it with you, but you can take this with you, sir. And this is your reminder that in this house, you sit in the Hall of Fame with respect to world changers that we want to be like. And Miss Betty Keene, you could open this for Jack. And this is what is behind the World Changers Award. It's not just a lot of hype. It's not just a lot of words. Um, our support and finances in this oh world-changing house <laughs> is for people like Jack and Betty King. <laughs> Glory! <laughs> wow. Of course, words can never express the gratitude in our heart to this church. You're truly the epitome of family, of what God meant when he created family. We absolutely love coming here. Amen. Uh, Amen. There is not another church that loves on us the way, the way you do. And I just don't have any words to, right. <laughs> to express it. But, you know, what's interesting is so many of you always say, I love you. And my only response is, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We can tell. You know, when I... Um, when I met Jack, he was a big city boy and I was a little country girl. <laughs> and I'm always amazed that God would use us to minister to whomever. <clears throat> and I really encourage you to stay close to Pastor Joaquin and Yvette. They are teaching you and equipping you to go out and do the work of the ministry. If you stay within your little group, you will never accomplish that which God has for you. I can't tell you how many antique stores I've been to not to buy something. I can tell you. <laughs> Hush. She's a principal. <laughs> but God will show me somebody to pray for. Can't tell you how many places we've gone that God says, go over there and touch that person. You know, he's not just wanting us to touch uh, the people in our lives, but he's wanting us to touch the unlovely, the ones that nobody else wants to have anything to do with. And tomorrow morning, tomorrow, you will have opportunity to do that where you work, out on the street. And I just encourage you to do that because uh, our pastor from Tulsa, Pastor Billy Joe, who's passed away, he taught us so many things. But he said, you will never sit in these seats. 
you cannot sit here. You got to get up and go do something. And the only way we've been able to touch people is to get out of our seat yeah, go. and go. go and do. Give somebody $5. I used to give students at ORU $5 because that was all I had in my purse. God's blessed us back yeah, so man. many times. Yeah. But thank you all for having us. We do love you. I, I don't put much on Facebook. But I said, I love these people because they're family. And we pick up right where we left off Amen. the last time we were here. So, Pastor Joaquin and Yvette, thank you so much for inviting us here, for being our host. It's been wonderful. Uh, we have a couple more days before we have to go back home. But we're excited about what we get to take back with us. And Cliff and Patricia, we love you so much. They go with us. We're just always so glad that they're with us and and uh patricia's my Andy. crime partner, <laughs> partner. but Look, thank you so much i want to give honor where honors due <laughs> to my wife tomorrow it'll be 47 years I told Joaquin, there is no place and nobody we'd rather spend our anniversary with. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Amen. Amen. We would come here just to spend our time with you. So thank you. And thank you. You're welcome. One more. <laughs> thank you. Okay, great. Uh, please be seated. Y'all are sitting. I'm going to sit. Well, I love that barbecue video. Uh, I'm just overwhelmed with the, the effort and the organization and the sacrifice that so many made. For that to happen yesterday, that was a huge function. Amen. I mean, I, 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 I coordinated events for Dr. Cole for 15 years and worked with football stadium personnel and convention centers. And I know what it takes for something to come off excellent. And let me say something, Yvette and, this, and, and Joaquin are... Are, are not just teaching you. They live. They live what they believe. And so yesterday, I said, Who, who's organizing this? Uh, George and I have been friends since we met, but I didn't have any idea he had those organizational skills. And uh, a couple other men I talked to said, hey, I didn't do that much. My wife did this. She's done a lot more, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a great big thank you uh, for them in behalf, to glorify God that I think they deserve because there's people touched yesterday you may not realize till we get to heaven. Yes. You know, we don't because some, you know, some sow, some waters, but God brings the increase. And I want to thank George for doing such an... Amen. Incredible job of pulling that thing off. And all the teams, they each worked hard. And so uh, I want to, I went around yesterday, some of you didn't realize it. I went around and uh, I have a few pictures also this morning. And uh, I mean, I, I was amazed uh, at the quality uh, somebody kept saying after we tested or tasted the food, uh, do you want to throw that away? I said, uh, no, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to keep that one because uh, I'd like to finish that later. <laughs> and, I, and actually, my favorite rib was spicy, and, and I liked that. And it didn't win first place, but it was first place with me, for me. And... Uh, uh, let me get over here to 
but before I go too far, let me introduce our guests. Betty's already acknowledged and mentioned uh, Clifford and Patricia Hare. Uh, Clifford is our International Director for Faithful Men Ministry. They're, they're from Jacksonville, Florida. They drove five or six hours. And their oldest son, Ryan Hare, and his wife, April, and their son, Seth and Titus Hare, also drove down uh, Friday night from Jacksonville. And then my longtime friend and commission man, John Freeman, who many of you know, who's moved here from California and is now up in Lakeland with his son, Cole Freeman, who was named, dedicated, baptized after Dr. Cole, uh, his name, and, um, and then John lives up there and is building, is remodeling a house called the House of Cole. And his son eventually will move into that and attend. He's attending Southeastern University, his son. So uh, it's an incredible story. But uh, many of you know John, so please continue to love on them. And they're probably going to have to start their drive back after this first service. Uh, but I was impressed yesterday with all the work behind the scenes. I was also surprised as I... Uh, went around to the different sites to see what they were cooking, how they were preparing it, the equipment. As a matter of fact, we were graced by uh, being able to share time Friday night with Carlos and Veronica Estrada and meeting their, their three sons. And so as we were going coming here after the graduation, Carlos was talking to his brother on the phone and and he's telling me, you need to get a certain kind of grill. Well, it's 9 o'clock Friday night, and they decide we better get a grill. <laughs> I'll see you at 7 in the morning. Hello? Yeah. So we're rushing. It's five minutes till 9. I said, go on in, Carlos. I'll, I'll come in. And I got my knee walker, and I, I went in. And so he, you know, I said, well, here, here's a, here's a Brinkman. This is... It's a good deal. It's kind of I have. It's economical, and it does the work, and big grill. You know, his eyes immediately go to a Weber. <laughs> you know, and that's probably the top of the line and most expensive one. But because he's filled by the Holy Spirit, it was on sale <laughs> for $99. You know, he puts, gets that box bizarre, and we go out to the car. And so... Uh, I was amazed at how well they did with that little grill and to get to tie for first place. In my conversations with many of you and even uh, with Yvette, I, I said, I'm amazed at how creative Cubans are. And she said, hey, we are the MacGyvers of this world. We can take anything and make it into something. Now, in Texas, in Texas, those are the Hispanics, uh, the, the Latinos. I mean, they are hardworking, believe it or not. They are, uh, I take my car to them, you know. Here's some duct tape and a coat hanger. I don't have the money right now. But will you make it run? And they, they can do it, you know. It may be chick flop chick flop chick flop But, hey, we're still moving forward, kind of like my, my knee walker. And so... There was one, uh, one of the first uh, team sites that I came up on. I thought, wow, I've been to Walmart a whole bunch of times. But I never had the revelation of a shopping cart from Walmart until I saw this yesterday. <laughs> and actually, I think... Uh, they were letting people uh, just last-minute entries. And, you know, there was lawn chairs everywhere yesterday and came across uh, another team uh, group there, and they, they didn't have a grill. And it's, see, some of y'all never thought of this. And if you allowed hot dogs, I'm thinking, hey, I got a leaf rake. You could stick those wieners on, you know, and cook those. Now... Being in Texas, they've got a lot of rednecks there. They've got Cajun jokes because of the Louisiana, 
Cajun stuff, and I know that, that you all would never do anything like this, but uh, <laughs> is that creative or what, you know? And I'm, I'm sure it's very clean, but uh, when Joaquin said, hey, you're from Texas, and you love barbecue, and you cook for the school barbecue and everything, he said, would you be a judge? And I said, you know, I'd love to, and I'll bring my own meat. <laughs> now that's a Texas steak. <laughs> now I want you to know all of the grilling, oh, I saw a lot of really neat uh, smokers and grills and all that, but remember, Everything in Texas is big. <laughs> That's a real Texas grill. So as we have walked this walk that God's ordained, and Pastor Moline and I have, I, I've lost track of the countries we've been to and how he has ministered and traveled and served and the trek that he's on now basically consists of one question. What is a man? From country to country, really. What is a man? What is a man? Do you know what a man is? Do you know what a real man is? Nobody has an answer. Well, you know, being in Texas, and actually we're just our church and our house is just down the street from the, the new Cowboy Stadium. And so, you know, Jerry Jones is there and the Dallas Cowboys, and so, you know, I was wondering, maybe with all those football players, Jerry Jones knows what a real man is, you know, and so I go to him, and I say, do you have any idea what is a man? Is it, it, it oh, maybe it's Tim Tebow. <laughs> and Jerry said, I'll tell you one thing. If he's a real man, he's a cowboy. As a matter of fact, Jack, look down on the stadium field. Right now, there's a man running on the field. Now, that's a real man. <laughs> yeah, that's the Heisman move there, in case you don't recognize. In a suit. Huh? Does the guy have class or what? <laughs> the Heisman Trophy. Well, some of you may or may not know about our ministry. We uh, uh, went to work in 1987, moved to Texas from Oklahoma, which was like a Red Sea experience yeah. uh, crossing the Red River. Uh, we knew this was going to have to be God if we were going to move from being Okies to Texans. And I uh, went to work for Edwin Lewis Cole at Christian Men's Network and worked for him and served him as associate minister for 15 years. And he went home to be with the Lord at the age of 80 in 2002. And we started, uh, they asked me, the family asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I can't imagine somehow, some way, in some form or fashion fashion, I won't keep doing what I've been doing, which is working with pastors and uh, get, helping them get their men's ministry going. And so we formed Faithful Men Ministries. Can you put, there we go. And on there, you'll see not only Faithful Men Ministries, you'll see at the bottom of our logo, I am my brother's keeper. And then you'll see a number, 318. And I've had so many people ask me, what, is that John 3.18? Is that Luke? You know, what is it? I said, well, actually, it's Genesis 14.14. 14. If you can pull that up. Because it says in Genesis 14.14, 14, when Abram heard his brother Lot. Hold on to that because he was his nephew. But he's referring to him as his brother. When Abram heard his brother Lot had been taken captive, he armed his 318 
trained servants, discipled and trained in his own household. Is that the only thing Christ left us with? Go make disciples. God did it with 12. What else do you need? Okay? You need further explanation. Well, it's interesting that in this particular moment, when Abram heard that a brother, wasn't because it was his nephew, it wasn't because he was a blood relative, he's referring to him as his brother in the Lord, part of your family of God. When he heard, he got 318 men that he'd already trained up. He was ready. He got 318 men who were willing to drop what they're doing and go after him and pursue him. Because in the 16th verse, it says, uh, so he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, Lot, he didn't say his nephew, and his, and his goods as well as the women and the people. 318 men that come storming into a city they're going to get what they came after and they're going to come back with more. My challenge to Pastor Molina when I, we first met in Cuenca, Ecuador, he heard something that was in his heart that was the drumbeat to his heart that he was marching to and that was driving him. Truth, confrontational truth wrapped in unconditional love and mercy. And he's like, I've never heard anything like this before. This is my story. And so I challenged him. As I've challenged pastors around the world for 26 years, what would it be like, pastor, in your church if when you hear a brother's been taken captive, no matter what it is, whether he's been taken captive by lust, adultery, alcohol, drugs, lying, cheating, stealing, a Laodicea attitude, no matter what he's been taken captive by, you've got men in your church who've been discipled, who've been trained, who are willing to drop what they're doing, go after him and pursue him and restore him back into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What would it be like if you had 10 or 100 or 318? Unfortunately, around the world and especially in North America, most churches, when a man messes up or anyone, what do they do? It's the, it's the churches who say, who scorn them and who drive them off. That's what family is supposed to be there for. Your love for your children, your blood. Your children can't change that. No circumstances can change the love you have in your heart for them. Yeah, you don't like it. Yeah, it hurts what you're going through. Yeah, you have things that you have to face that seem unfair, unjust. But the church has become the world's worst for killing their wounded. And that's why we hooked up. Because this man's DNA is that right there. You see, he doesn't just teach and preach something. He lives a life of what he believes. Now, I'm not exalting him above Jesus Christ. 
but he's the shepherd over this. He's the senior pastor. He's the one that God has given the vision. And, and he must have and be surrounded with men and women of God, people who family who, who, who want the same DNA. It's, it's who you are. Because, see, we actually, you and I only live what we believe. You can think about stuff and do it and this and that, and you can wonder about it, you can dream about it, but I'm telling you, in life, you live and do what you really believe. I'm going to ask everybody to pass your checkbooks in because I want to know if you really believe in tithing. Or do you believe that you can spend your money on anything and if there's anything left, you'll tip God? Because we only live what we believe. Every one of you came in here and did exactly what you believed. You sit down in those chairs. Why? Well, because you thought it would hold you. <laughs> right? Is that it? Can I make it any simpler? You live what you believe. Now, if you walked in and, uh, and I sat down in a, a chair and maybe the leg was a little bent and it went to the floor when I sat down in it from eating all that barbecue yesterday <laughs> and it collapsed, what would you do before you sat down in your chair? You'd check it. Why? Because you're not real sure. I want to make sure. I'm not going to sit down in it unless I believe it will hold me. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't live anything except what we really believe. What you really believe. Betty and I and our family and our walk with the Lord, our five children, our twelve grandchildren... Our, our marriage, our life, our journey, our, the ministry God has opened for Betty in a Christian school as a principal, a teacher, a coach. Uh, compares in no way with what we would have thought God would do in our lives or use us. God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Our marriage, our journey, our struggles, the difficulties, the mountains, the hurts, the heartache, the pain that life has to offer is controlled by one thing. No matter what happens to you, the outcome of that is controlled by one thing. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know your purpose? Do you know your calling? Do you know that every day of your life was written in a book before you were even formed? Do you know that? Do you realize that's the word of God before you and I were formed? Before we had form, we had substance Jeremiah 1.4 says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And Psalm 139.16, David cried out and said, Surely every day of my life was written in a book. The greatest act of faith was when God created us. Before, I, everybody on the face of the earth, this isn't just this church. This is every country, every culture, every person ever born on the face of this earth. Before they were formed in their mother's womb, God knew them. He already, before you were formed, there was substance. Because now faith is of things 
and the evidence of things not seen. Wow. You mean to tell me before he formed this earth and everything else and all the billions of people that he has a book that he wrote every day of our life in? And how are you going to find that out if you don't know Jesus Christ? If you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. If you don't trust in the Lord with all your heart and quit leaning to your own understanding and acknowledge Him because He directs our steps. The greatest power He has given us is our will. You can do anything you want to do. If you don't want to, you don't have to. The greatest power we have is the power to choose. But if you don't know God's will for that day, if you don't believe he directs your steps, then you won't live it. If you believe the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered, and God's ways are above your ways, and his thoughts are above your thoughts, then why would you and I do anything before we check on check in with our creator god you created me you knew this day you know this plan this place i'm going tell me what is your way because in proverbs 3 4 5 and 6 it says trust in the lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding but in all your what are your ways? If his ways are above our ways, his thoughts are above our thoughts, what are our ways? Well, see, my ways are different than Betty's ways because her life is surrounded by students and parents and families and educators and sports and basketball players and so on and so forth. So my way and her ways, they're different. We're, we're, we're exposed to completely different people. Clifford's ways are different than my ways. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Most of us try to do it with part of our heart. Okay, no, don't go there, God. <laughs> no, that hurts too much. Don't go, don't go there, God. That's, that's a secret nobody knows about You can't. It's humanly impossible to love the God, to love God, with part of your heart. You either love Him with all your heart, or you aren't capable of loving Him. That's why it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit. I mean, it's absolutely asinine, insane, stupid, ignorant to think that we have the intelligence and the intellect to handle everything that comes into our life. Until one day, bam! You're holding your father's bullet-ridden body in your arms. And you didn't ask God anything about that day. But at that moment, I looked up to heaven and said, why did you let this happen? Blaming God. That's what Adam did. He was a real man, huh? He was the first man, right? Yeah. When God called him up. Because God knew what a man was. He knew what a real man was. And so the first thing he did was he called Adam, called him out. Did you do what I told you not to? Uh, what? It's, the, it's the woman you gave me. Hello? Everything was fine till you did. No, everything wasn't fine. Because God saw something. God saw something he'd put there. 
And there's that one place that can only be fulfilled and satisfied by the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the promises of God. But the most important thing is the character of God. What an act of faith on God's part. Is that... Is that faith or not? The fact that God's given us the capability to reproduce and multiply and, 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 and we're made in his image and be able to physically reproduce and have a baby. Does that baby know how to do anything? What if out of the womb he goes, leave me alone. I can handle this. Come here, Mama, I'll, I'll call you when I need you. I'm hungry. I mean, that's stupid to think that way, isn't it? It's, un, it's unrealistic. But do we do that? What, what, what a mighty act of faith to say, okay. I mean, this God is incomprehensible. There is no way you can explain him. There's no way you can exhaust him. Well, I can't even get my mind around, okay, you wrote every day of every person's life in a book? Oh, yeah, and on that day when all the dead, the great and the small, are called forth and the books were opened and the book of life. You go, whoa, wait, 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 what do you mean books? I mean, my name's in the book of life. Hallelujah. But the deal breaker is what's in the other books. How did you live your life? How did you find out how to live? Oh, <laughs> I used, I was pretty smart. I, I used 12% of my brain. Yeah. I think the Molina family uses probably 18%. They are really, really intelligent. I mean, doctors, lawyers, you name it. Brain surgeon. I told Betty, I said, there's a lot of brains there in that family. <laughs> they are smart, you know. Sometimes the devil tries to intimidate me and think, well, what do I have to say? I mean, these guys are studied, they're proven, and it's amazing. Jules and, and, and everybody. It, I just, I could go on and on. But we're still only using a small part of how God created us to be. Because we want to do things our way. And God has written every day of our life. I'm not going to go that direction, but I, I want to lay a foundation here so that you understand. The area of teaching that Pastor Molina is leading you right now in faith. Because you're asking the question, you're walking through this midweek. Jesus said, when I return, will there be any of faith? Well, when you compare the men of faith in the Bible and what they went through, how could you and I classify anything we're going through as suffering? I've had people tell me, oh man, you've gone through it. You've suffered so... I don't use that word. Nothing I've gone through compares with my Savior went through for me persecuted no no you know get off of that little rocking horse you know get out of your pity potty corner throwing a fit taking your ball home because they're not playing the way you want to play I don't know what he's taught. I know you're tracking the life of Abram, Abraham. My most impressive thing with Abraham 
is he knew his God. I mean, you read all through that story of him <laughs> having his son, put, you know, go get the wood and push the wheelbarrow and everything, and the two servants are going, and they got to the base of the mountain. What blows me away is I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute, look at this. He told the servants, stay right here. We'll be back. Yeah. No, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to be required... And you've agreed to sacrifice your son. But that's not what he was focused on. He was focused on who his God was. He knew his God. He knew the character of God. The nature of God. Every aspect of God. The faithfulness of God. The promises of God. And you can't help. I'm not going to go through the story of what took place on the mountain. And you know how that ends. But through the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see, we see a, a faith with attitude. faith with attitude but the faith that they had and this is where I think many of us go wrong so many times in Daniel 317 let me ask you to think about if you were thrown into a blazing furnace I mean my first thought is well, hey, I'm a crispy critter. That's it. Life's over. I mean, a blazing furnace? Okay. It's like some of those ribs yesterday. You're charred, man. But their faith said, if it be so, our God whom we serve, I hope I'm reading from the same version, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you set up. You see, most of us in that situation will be searching and implementing and crying out for a faith that will keep us from the fire. Right? Oh my God, you know, no, no, he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't do that. No. No, God wouldn't do that. But I believe the journey that we're on is that we begin a search to pursue and embrace the God who is with you in the fire. Yes. See, real faith believes that God can. And real faith believes, believes, Believes he will. But still trust him if he doesn't. See, it was their faith that got them thrown into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> you see, we've been as a church silent too long about God and our faith. But I think one of the shortcomings is, is our faith has been conditional upon God's response. We've got a bucket list under, of prayers. 
I'm believing God for this and this and this and this and healing and so on and so forth and etc etc but what happens if you don't get it did Abraham he's a father of many nations he didn't see any of that before he went to the Lord what happens if you don't get the job you're believing for you don't get the healing you're believing for you're still on a knee walker after four and a half years You stay on that knee walker because the word of God says in Proverbs 3.26 Let the assurance of the Lord be your confidence and your foot shall not be taken. I may walk funny but I still got my leg. What happens if you don't get the house or the money? Is your faith conditional upon his response? Is your faith conditional on whether you get what you want? Or is your faith conditional upon his character? That's how you stand. That's how you stand. That's how you persist. That's how you persevere. That's how you keep your passion. That's how you stay persistent, consistent. You, you got to stay at There's a war going on, and if you're not in the battle, you're losing it. Hey, I may put that scripture up about struggle. You may see me struggle, but you'll never see me quit. What's my choices? Lay in the ditch? Waller in mediocrity? Say, God, what I'm going through is bigger and more powerful than your love and your word and your promise. It is not. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing has greater power. It's our choice. Are you going to let what you're going through, are you going to let what happened destroy your faith? Then you don't have faith. You got faith in God's response. You got faith in getting what you want. Remember, the greatest power He's given us is the power to choose. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, so that when my children's children, I take no credit for what all the glorious things that's happened in my children, our children's lives. We can't put a finger on it other than us trusting and obeying God. That's what persistence does. That doesn't change the word of God. Paul said, yeah, I might be in chains. I might be in chain, chains. I'm in jail. I might be in chains. But the word of God's not bound. Oh, man. That's faith with an attitude. You need to get an attitude. You talk about your kids having an attitude. Do you have one about your faith and your God and your creator and what you were called for, what your purpose is? You see, we've taken the scripture and we've turned it around tried to understand, interpret it in our little finite brains to say that, oh, Romans 8, 28, oh, all things work together for good. They do not. That's not what that scripture says. That's just taking part of it. Oh, brother, all things work together for good. Really? For who? You forgot to read the rest of it. For everybody? It says three, three qualifications. For them who love God and are the called according to His purpose. When you love the Lord, when they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, he said, you want it? Get ready. To love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Oh, and I'm going to throw this one in for free. The second greatest commandment? 
love your neighbor. And here's the problem. As yourself. That may be the hardest thing to do because you know the way you really are. But that's a lie. The truth is what God says you are, what he created you to be, what he called you to be, your purpose for these 80, 90, 100 years, whatever you're here for. Because on that day there's going to be an accounting for your faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. I'm telling you, you're at the most critical, crucial place and moment in your journey in this life because God's directed your steps right here. You never could have convinced me anything good would come out of finding my father murdered except the guy who did it would have to pay for it with his life. I wanted him to come groveling back to me, crawling on his hands and knees, begging my forgiveness, repenting, and still having to pay for what he did. Aren't you glad that God doesn't use that on you and me? But how many of us think it's not fair? Where's the justice? Forgiveness is not fair. When are they going to have to pay? They don't have to pay. Somebody already paid. That's our problem. We're looking at people. God said vengeance is mine. Really? I made a vow to my dad. To a dead body. I'll avenge your death and I'll bring your murder to justice. But when God told me, you go to that man and you ask him to forgive you, I'm saying, you don't understand. Now that was stupid. <laughs> what you're asking me to do is humanly impossible. Hello? That's what this walk is about. That's our problem. We think all things are possible because we can handle it. You can't handle it. He said, go to him, ask him to forgive you. I said, I can't. He said, good. Finally. My, my grace will be sufficient. I'm like, whatever. I didn't have any idea what that meant. Until I realized that until you and I get to that place in our life that we're so desperate and so broken for God and there's only one way to look but up, God's still there. He's still on the porch looking for us. You see, the whole, all of creation, the world, every country are all prodigals. They're all God's children. He created them all. He has a plan for them all. They just need to come home. That's what it's about. So when he returns, have your circumstances been more powerful than his word, his faithfulness, his promise, his character, that you've lost your faith? Will there be any faith? Will there be one man who's willing to stand in the gap and pick up people walking to Walmart? <laughs> That's what we did yesterday, day before, whenever it was. We're going along, we're driving down a busy freeway. And Joaquin stops the van in the middle of the road. You know, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, what is it? And he starts speaking in Spanish. And I understood Walmart. <laughs> and, and he, I thought, why he going to Walmart? Why is he asking this lady if she can tell us where the closest Walmart is? I mean, that, that's what I was, I'm sitting here listening Walmart. What's he asking her about Walmart? She, she comes off the sidewalk and opens the van, van door in the back seat. And I thought, what is she getting? This? She's getting in the car, Joaquin. <laughs> Yvette climbs over into the back seat. She gets in the car. He asked her if she needed a ride to Walmart. She had her Walmart apron on. 
she's from Cuba, three months, working at Walmart. Joaquin says that's one thing about Cubans. They're not coming here looking for a program and all the assistance. They'll work their butts off. Oh, excuse me. I'll tell you words in the Bible, ass. Anyway. I'm sitting there, and I brought money with me, you know, over here, anniversary. And the Lord said, bless her with $60. And my thought was, I had somebody I was going to get some money to while I was here. So I got my money out and rolled it up, and I got Joaquin's attention because I'm submitted to him and his authority. His, and I showed it to him. He goes, so we got to Walmart, and we got ready to get out, and I had Joaquin give her the money, and he handed it to her. She goes, no, 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 no. Joaquin says, no, we want to bless you. And she began to weep. She sobbed and weeped. She said, it's my birthday. Who knew that? Did you know it was her birthday? What do you know about anything? Everything you know you get from God. Who you, what, what do you know? Who are you getting it from? How are you finding out? He directs your steps. Ask him what he wants to do in your life that day when you go to the grocery store, when you get audited by the IRS. I don't care what it is. God directs your steps. You go to the hospital. I handed out 288 books in the hospital to people that didn't know Jesus. The blood technician came in to take my blood every morning, you know, and I said, I'm glad you mentioned the blood. You know about the blood. And I shared Christ with him. And he said, my father's a pastor. I've never heard what you just told me. What kind of church is that? Turn to the person next to you and say, I used to go to that church. <laughs> but you see, the moment that I faced my father's business partner. And I said, Jerry. I need to ask you to forgive me. He said, no. I said, yeah, I wanted you dead. I wanted to kill you. Will you forgive me? He said, sure. I thought, you flippant so-and-so. And then the next words that came out of my mouth, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, much less saying. And I said, Jerry, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd go? He backed away from me. I didn't have my drill sergeant hat on that night, but I, had, I did not have that demeanor. The Spirit of God was all over me. I wasn't going to say anything lest it was from the Spirit and heart of God. And I said, no, i got to know. And he dropped his head and said, no. I said, then we got to pray. And he and I stood in front of the building where my father was murdered and prayed the sinner's prayer. And he accepted Jesus Christ. And then he said, can I pray something else? I said, sure. He said, Father, I thank you that you've taken something that was meant for bad and turned it to good. And that became our scripture. Romans eight twenty eight. And we hugged and we cried and we sobbed and we wept and we talked a while and I turned around to leave and the Holy Spirit said, now you've got the cleansing and I can launch you in the direction I've called you to go. And I realized that the vengeance, the vow of vengeance had just been fulfilled God's way. Not our way. Our way for vengeance is against people. We're hunting for somebody to blame. God's vengeance is against the kingdom of darkness. There was another soul 
snatched out of hell. Because that's his way. That's the greatest act of faith was when he created me before I was formed in my mother's womb. I want to ask you to stand. I'm run over. Pastor, will you join me? And uh... sound check. Let's ask all the pastors from Spring of Life to come forward, please. We want to pray for Jack this morning also and thank God for his life and for what is yet remaining to be fulfilled. Our God does all things perfect, glorious in his time. Pastor Omar, Pastor Ro Molina Sr., Pastor Oscar, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever Betty. you're going to pray for me, I want everybody to receive that. Amen. Betty? Come next to your husband. Everyone. Every person here who heard this, the heart of God for your life, this is for you. It's for all of us. God's no respecter of persons. This is not about me. This is about you and God. And Jack Keen is one of the mentors over this ministry. He's one of the fathers over this ministry. Years ago, about five years ago, I said, Jack, I want you to be a father over this house. And he says, I wish I could, but the proper place is for you to go and speak with G.F. Watkins. And so there's not many people that would do that. And so we, we were obedient, and we went, and, and we came under G.F. Watkins as our pastor over this church. But uh, Jack and Betty remain as a father of faith that we ex uh, we follow their example, we follow their words, their heart, and we want to honor them. So if you extend your hands this way, and he just passed on this blessing that flows from the head, the ministry down to the feet. That's what the anointing oil does, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Father, thank you for Jack. Thank you for a faithful heart. A heart that resembles your service and your son. Thank you for salvation and redemption. Thank you for your love and the power of forgiveness that flows through him as a vessel. A vessel of honor that glorifies you. A vessel of honor that walks in obedience and not in sentiment and not in situation or circumstance. We want to have this faith, Lord. We want you to enlarge our hearts to have a larger measure of unconditional faith that trust in God in the good times, the glorious times, in the dark and difficult times, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you continue to strengthen him, O oh God, so as you did to Abraham, O oh God. Yes. And in his seed, he would be a blessing to all the families of the earth, Lord. Allow his lineage to walk in the legacy of their father. Allow this legacy to run down to the grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh, glorious has been the work that his heart has allowed you to do in his life extending expanding his faith growing his faith giving him greater vision even in the midst of physical infirmity and limitations we pray oh god that you would just bring him in to the fullness of those things written before the foundations of the earth in the life of uh, sir charles jack king we pray father god that his wife would be a reflection of that glory that tenderness, that awesome, virtuous heart of wisdom. We pray, O oh God, that the expression would not just stay contained in a limited place, but that it would expand yes. and the power of its influence would be increased, yes, that he would be, that his latter days would be greater than his formative yes. and preparation yes. days, O oh God. Yes. Because everything that you prepared is to be served on your table, Lord, and that multitudes might eat from this life and nourish themselves and we give you thanks and believe that exceeding uh, far surpassing and great things are you going to do way above what we've prayed and asked oh God that Lord we've opened up 
the theme and the topic of faith. Allow him to be an heir of your promises. That he would not only hear about them and preach them, that he would see the fulfillment of them like the stars in the firmament. We give you thanks in the powerful, mighty, and glorious name of Jesus Christ. And the house of God says, Amen and Amen. Thank you. Amen. I need is Adrian.